Hello there, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show. This is Coffeehouse Questions, and I am Ryan Polly. There has been a lot of discussions, a lot of posting online recently with all the abortion laws that are going into place and being voted on and all the things that are taking place. And I also have students that frequently will ask me how I would respond to different arguments, how I handle myself in different discussions. And so I thought that today I would address some of the common arguments that I've been seeing online from the pro-choice side. So things like saying it's a woman's right to choose or the fetus isn't a child, the fetus isn't human. Uh, Making abortion illegal will cause abortion to become more dangerous. Uh, The pro-choice people or pro-life people, if there were a thousand embryos and a child in a burning room, which one would you choose? If you choose the child, then it looks like uh, you think that children are more valuable than embryos. Uh, Also, what about men discussing abortion laws? I'm a man. I'm discussing abortion laws. Should I have the right to do this or not? Um, What about uh, what are pro-life people doing for single mothers uh, after abortion? Are we only caring about abortion? In the pro-life position, or are we pro-life in all stages of life? Uh, maybe what about the case of uh, rape? And also, um, you know, we're not forced to give medical care in other situations. We're not forced to give up kidneys or forced to donate blood. Why would we force someone to be pregnant? So these are some of the things that I've had discussions about recently, and I have seen online. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to work through these and uh, talk about them. And I will pose some questions, some things that I uh, would ask if I was having a conversation on these certain issues. And hopefully it helps you as you think through some of the issues and some of the statements that have been made online recently. Now, as I'm starting, the apartment above me decided that they wanted to either move out or move in or do something up there. And it is very loud. So I apologize now if there are some bangs or some loud noises uh, as we record the episode. They just so happen to want to move as soon as I wanted to start recording. So when we're having this conversation on abortion, it is absolutely vital that we keep a few fundamental principles in our mind. There's a very simple abortion syllogism that I think we need to think about and we have to have on the front of our mind because it helps us deal with a lot of these issues. And it goes like this. First of all, it is wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Number two, Abortion takes the life of an innocent human being. Conclusion, therefore, abortion is wrong. Obviously, people are going to uh, disagree, I think, almost always with number two. I don't know anyone that would disagree with that it is uh, always wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being, but they're not going to say that abortion is actually killing a human. And those are some of the things that I'm going to talk about here. But I think that's the point that we need to come back to. And I've often talked about this on the show before, is that we need to have this discussion and come back to the question of what is the unborn? If the unborn is a valuable human being, then no justification for abortion is adequate. There is no good reason to intentionally kill an innocent human being. But if the unborn is not a human being, then no justification for abortion is necessary. We don't need to say, what about in the case of rape? We don't need to say, what about if they're disabled or what about this or what about that if they have a heartbeat or not? If it's not a human, go for it. If the unborn is a clump of cells, just like the cells on my arm, no one has a problem when you brush your arm and these things all fall off. And this was something that I saw recently is that someone tried to make the argument on Twitter that pro-life people say that because the unborn has DNA, therefore it's human. And they said, so 
there's DNA in a lot of stuff, right? There's, and for example, there's a DNA in the skin cells on my arm. So when I brushed my arm, did I just create mass murder? No, of course not. Now they used a different example, but I won't mention that here. But that's not why pro-life people think the unborn is human is simply because they have DNA. It's the fact that they have a different genetic code is why they're different from the mother. It's not just the mother's body. But it's not just because they have DNA that makes them human. So there's a lot of things going on, and we just have to remember this simple syllogism and the simple understanding of what is the unborn. If the unborn is a human, it is always wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Therefore, abortion is wrong. And that kind of helps us as we think about these certain issues moving forward. Now, I've also been sick most of this week, and so I hope that uh, my throat stays clear for most of this recording. So jumping in, uh, I had a conversation with a high school student recently uh, on this topic, and they were like, why, why is abortion wrong? Why don't we have this, uh, you know, why, why, do people, why are people pro-life? And they said, look, the woman should have the right to choose. Now, I always respond to this with a question, have the right to choose what? What exactly are they choosing? Right, should they have the right to choose who they marry? Yes. Should they have a right to choose where they go to college? Yes. Should they have the right to choose who they want to vote for? Absolutely. But should they have the right to choose anything? Are we giving them a blanket right to choose whatever they want to choose? Well, absolutely not. Women do not have the right to choose to abuse their children. Women don't have the right to choose to have their husbands killed. Women don't have the right to choose to prostitute themselves. That's illegal in most places, right? There's You don't have the right to choose to intentionally take illegal drugs. You will get arrested. And so there are many things that we don't have the right to choose. As we live in a society, we have to, we give up some of our freedoms to live in a civilized society. I don't have the freedom to drive 80 miles an hour in a neighborhood. If I do, I will get a ticket, right? So there are many things that we don't have the right to choose because of living in a society. And so women don't have the right to choose to abuse their kids. They don't have the right to choose to kill their children before they're born. And so we have to be very clear and think about this. And so I actually asked these questions in the conversation. I said, you know, well, right to choose, you know, who they marry, who they, where they go to college, of course, but right to choose to kill their child? Well, no, of course not. And this person immediately switched and said, well, what if the unborn is disabled, right? They do a, a test and you have a disabled child. And this is where another helpful tactic uh, can be used of where we kind of trot out the toddler. And I say, okay, let's say you have a three-year-old that is disabled. Let's say you have a three-month-old that is born and is disabled. Can we kill the three-month-old baby because the baby is disabled? And of course not. Well, then why should we be able to kill the unborn? Because it is also disabled. The moment I asked this question, the student immediately then responded and said, well, but the unborn isn't thinking. Now, notice here, we've gone through three arguments very quickly. First, the woman should just have the right to choose. And then when you show what they're actually choosing, well, but what about a disability? And then when you apply that to a three-month-old that we can't just kill innocent human beings because they're disabled, well, now they're not thinking. And we quickly work through these different arguments. And so, again, well, what about if they're not thinking? Okay, if someone is in a coma, can we just kill them? Especially if we know that they are going to come out of that coma soon. Right? In, the, in the case of, a, of the unborn, right, when you know that six months later or seven months later, that child will come out, and th then it's the same as saying if someone is in a coma, and you know that seven months later they're going to wake up from that coma, can you kill them just because they're not thinking? Well, no, of course not. And finally, kind of working through this, they finally just went, well, it's legal. 
right? And that has its own things that we can talk about. But one thing that this conversation that happened just recently, I think, shows is, is that oftentimes there are these things. There, there, are, there are many different objections that happen, and you answer one, and they just move to the another. And it's often helpful to kind of say, well, hold on a second. We don't want to use the logical fallacy of moving the goalpost of the moment something's answered, then now we have another goal, another goal, another goal, something else to respond to. And it's, it's helpful just to slow down for a second and say, wait a second, let's go back. You mentioned that it should be just the woman's right to choose. Do you agree that the woman should not be able to choose everything, that there are limits to what women should be able to choose? Right. Okay. Yes. Good. You agree. All right. Now let's try to get some understanding. Let's try to get some agreement before we just move on. Because oftentimes these conversations happen. And I often hear this when people talk to Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. It's like, man, we got done talking and, you know, we talked about a hundred things and we never made a decision or, or you know, a conclu- came to a conclusion on anything. Well, yeah, that can often happen if we don't slow down, ask some questions and make sure that we are in agreement on some things, or at least have an understanding of some things before we move on. Now, online, moving along, there was another video posted by Live Action. Uh, It was at some rally uh, where some people were getting into conversations. And there are three statements made in this video that I found very interesting. Uh, The first one said, uh, the fetus isn't a child. The fetus isn't a child. Now, I would love to ask in this conversation, what do you mean by child? If you're talking about a five-year-old child, right, that's normally what we talk about, you have baby, toddler, children, uh, then yeah, I agree with you. The fetus is not a child. The fetus is not a five-year-old. In the same way, a child is not an adult. Now, this is very similar to the objection of saying, right, there's a difference between an acorn and an oak tree. An acorn is not an oak tree. Well, true. The acorn is the beginning stages of an oak tree, just like the zygote or the embryo or the the fetus or whatever you want to call it, different stages, is the beginning or is that stage of development of an adult, of who we are today. I was once a single-cell zygote, and then I became a baby, and then I was a toddler, and then I was a child, and now I'm a teenager, and now an adult, right? And so to say that the fetus is not a child can be true in one sense. It's not a five-year-old. But does that mean it's not human? That's the question we're asking. Now, these are, the next two are, are absolutely ridiculous. And I've never heard these before except from this live action video. But it went to these two guys. And, and one guy, he says, the fetus doesn't have a social security number. The fetus can't apply for a driver's license. Really? <laughs> Is that where we are coming to? Well, guess what? A 10-year-old cannot apply for a driver's license. Are they not human? Uh, Immigrants in the United States don't have social security numbers. Are they not human? Anyone living outside the United States doesn't have an American social security number. Or I guess non-American citizens don't have a social security number. Are they not human? Of course not. It's often these people that say we need to have open borders and we need to welcome immigrants into our country and we need to help all these people that are fleeing. Well, they don't have social security numbers. So what this guy says is that since the fetus cannot, does not have a social security number, it's somehow that we can kill them. Well, then he should also agree that we should be able to kill anyone outside the United States. All these immigrants coming in without social security numbers. Right? This, this is just absolutely ridiculous. And what it normally comes down to is, okay, well, is it a human? Right? This is often another interview that was done on CNN where someone came on and just flat out said, the fetus is not human. Human. It isn't human. Well, what do we do here? Well, Tim Barnett from Stand to Reason wrote a very helpful article 
titled Abortion Advocates Fail Biology. And by the way, I'll post as many of these links as I can get uh, in the show notes on coffeehousequestions.com. But he wrote an article titled Abortion Advocates Fail Biology, where he cited multiple embryology textbooks for medical school uh, showing what these textbooks actually say about the embryo. And I want to read some of these for you. So the Developing Human Clinically Oriented Embryology is the name of one book. And this is a human development textbook written for medical students. And uh, it's written by anatomist Keith Moore, TVN Persuade, and Mark Torchia. And here's what this book says. Human development begins at fertilization, the process during which a male gamete or sperm unites with a female gamete or oxide to form a single cell called a zygote. This highly specialized totipotent cell marked the beginning of each of us as a unique individual. Another book that Tim mentions in this article is Langman's Medical Embryology textbook, and it states, development begins with fertilization, the process by which a male gamete, the sperm, and the female gamete, the oxide, unite to give rise to a zygote. And one more book uh, mentioned, uh, the title is Before We Are Born, Essentials of Embryology and Birth Defects. It says, embryology is concerned with the origin and development of a human being from zygote to birth. And then in this book, it also says, in a, in a question, as Tim mentions, in, uh, in a section of the book titled Answers to Clinically Oriented Questions, near the end of the book, the authors state, there are different opinions on when an embryo becomes a human being because opinions are often affected by religious and personal views. The scientific answer is that the embryo is a human being from the time of fertilization because of its human chromosomal constitution. The zygote is the beginning of a developing human, right? So here we have three different college and medical school embryology textbooks saying, look, and, and even one saying, look, the reason why people disagree is because they have personal opinions or religious views. And oftentimes it's, it's the pro-choice crowd that wants to say it's Christians who have the religious view that changes it. No, if you go back to science, science says that from the first cell, the zygote, from fertilization, the embryo, the zygote, is a human being. There's no getting around this. And so to come out and say that the embryo is not human simply is just false. Now Again, you can say, well, it's not a child, but then again, well, yes, but a child is not an adult. But that doesn't mean it's not human. Is the embryo a human being? And that comes back to our syllogism. It is wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Abortion takes the life of an innocent human being, as shown by college and medical school embryology textbooks. Therefore, abortion is wrong. Now, what I want to think about when we do this is, is there are a lot of laws being passed, and I am in favor of this. I'm, I'm glad that laws are being passed and that legal action is being taken, but it can't stop here. If you're listening to this, as Christians, we need to stand up and we need to have conversations because simply just making something illegal is not necessarily enough. I want to change minds. I want to help people see the truth, right? I don't just want to, students to not do something because they have a fear of getting in trouble. I want them to honestly pursue that which is good, right? That is my goal in training students. And I think that we should have the same goal when, when discussing the topic of abortion. Our, our goal should help people pursue that which is good, 
pursue that which is right, not simply just not having an abortion because it's illegal. So I think we do need to take the legal action as that which is happening, but we also can't just sit back and go, well, because certain states are starting to make certain aspects illegal or illegal at certain stages, then okay, cool. The job is being done. I can kind of sit back. No, we still need to get out and have discussions to change hearts and minds. Let me take a quick break here for a second and let me know or let you know uh, of a few things that are happening. So uh, on the uh, YouTube channel, I will be posting some short videos discussing some of these uh, some of these objections and some of these things that I'm talking about here in the podcast today. And so if you like what you hear, uh, be looking out at the YouTube channel, subscribe and, and see the videos that are coming out. Maybe you can send those videos to someone or you can watch those and continue to help you uh, discuss these topics. But this week, since I was sick, I only got two videos posted on what is the gift of healing? How does it work? And then why don't miracles happen more often? But also the main thing I want to let you know about is that on On Monday, which is Memorial Day, so only just a couple days after this comes out, I will be interviewing Ken Samples from Reasons to Believe on his book, Classic Christian Thinkers. So this is definitely going to be a change from what I normally talk about on this uh, podcast. But he has written a book discussing some of the classic Christian thinkers of Christianity, I guess then they would be classic Christian thinkers. Uh, People like Irenaeus, uh, Athanasius, Augustine, Anselm, Thomas Aquinas, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Blaise Pascal, and C.S. Lewis. And so if you have any thoughts or comments on any of those guys that I just mentioned, feel free to comment on this. Uh, Send in your questions uh, at contact at coffeehousequestions.com, on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash coffeehousequestions, Instagram or Twitter at RyanPauly3, or text them in at 714-989-6927. And I would love to include your questions, your thoughts on classic Christian thinkers in the interview with Ken Samples. Also, that interview should be live streamed on Facebook uh, Monday morning. I think it's at 10 o'clock Pacific time. And so uh, if you are around on Monday morning and you want to tune into that interview, uh, feel free to go over to the Facebook page, like it, and be on the lookout for that interview. So those are a couple things that are coming up that I just wanted to let you know about. So jumping now back to our objections, right? So we've talked about uh, that uh, it's a woman's right to choose. What if the unborn is disabled or not thinking? Um, What if the fetus is not a child? It doesn't have a social security number or a driver's license, uh, or it's just simply not human. And hopefully I've helped you think about these a a little bit more. But jumping into the next couple on the list is I've heard recently uh, making abortion illegal will cause abortion to be more dangerous. And this was actually brought up by a student uh, in a video I was watching uh, with Ben Shapiro. And and it might be true that, yes, uh, if abortion becomes illegal, that people will still try to get abortions and it might become more dangerous from people. But the point that Ben Shapiro made, and I think that was a very good point, is that right now in America, there are somewhere around 900,000, maybe uh, round up you know, uh, to a million abortions a year. I think the last number I saw was right around 900,000. So he said, okay, let's say that it does become illegal and that there are, let's say, 50,000 people a year still that are going out and getting illegal abortions and that those are becoming more dangerous and some people are dying. Well, when you talk about some people dying out of 50,000 illegal abortions, but yet you are saving 850,000 innocent human beings, innocent children through abortion, that's a massive positive net win. Right. And it is true that if you make some Ill- something illegal, all of that activity is now illegal activity. Right. But you would not keep, you know, drug dealing 
legal simply because now that it's illegal, people die trying to deal and sell drugs, right? That, that's ridiculous. And so we want to make something illegal, and that is going to drastically limit the amount of activity that there is with that. But now, yeah, everything that's happening is becoming illegal. But I think that there's still a huge net win when you're talking about 900,000 abortions a year in the United States alone. That will drastically decrease. And if our goal is to save human lives, then that is a good goal. Another argument that you often hear is that, uh, this is actually to show that pro-life people are inconsistent, is they will say, look, if there's a burning room and there's a thousand embryos in a jar and a canister and there is a child, which one will you pick? Now, most of the time, the pro-life person will say, I will choose the child, at which then you say, or then the response is that you are inconsistent. See, obviously you think the child is human, the embryos are not, because if you have the chance between a thousand and one, you should pick the thousand. Now, this simple story has some major flaws. Just because you have a, an, uh, an attachment towards something or someone does not negate or, or make a statement about the other thing. For example, if there is a burning room where is my wife and some other random woman and I can only pick one, I'm going to choose to save my wife. Does that mean the other woman is not human? No, of course not. I just can't save both, right? In the same way, if, if I have a child one day and it's my child or my students, sorry, students, but I'm going to pick my child. Does that mean that my students are not human? Of course not. We just can't save them all. Well, if you had the choice, you should save 25 students over your child. Well, maybe this shows the inconsistency of a pro-lifer, but this in no way shows that the embryos are not valuable or not human. It simply just shows that, look, we want to save those that we are attached to, those that we have a love for, and uh, and it's more common to have that for children. And so this objection uh, doesn't go the way I think the pro-choice person wants it to go into making a definitive statement that the embryos are not human or that necessarily that the pro-life person is inconsistent. No, we just choose to save things based on emotions or whatever. But that by no means uh, goes to show that I don't think those embryos are human just because I don't choose to save them. Another video posted online, trying to move along quickly, have a few more left, uh, was a video from Trevor Noah on The Daily Show. And he said that men passing laws on abortion makes as much sense as the Amish passing laws on cybersecurity. And then he made some joke about uh, Amish people trying to put goats inside of computers or something and just making a huge joke out of this. Um, but he said, look, none of these men will ever be pregnant and so who are they to try to control what a woman does with her body? Well, first of all, as we talked about, the unborn is not part of her body. It is a distinct living and whole human being that is developing inside of her body. But also what this, I think, fails to remember is that Roe versus Wade was chosen by all men. Right? The Supreme Court justices during Roe versus Wade were all men and they chose to legalize abortion. So if you're really going to say that men should not speak on this issue, that men have no choice or no right to decide what men, women should or should not do with their bodies, well, then maybe we need to throw out Roe versus Wade. And that's ridiculous. They would never say that either. The whole point is simply this. First of all, ethics and moral decisions don't have gender. 
something, murder is either right or wrong, going back to the syllogism. It is intentionally wrong to kill an innocent human being. Abortion takes the life of an innocent human being, therefore abortion is wrong. I don't have to know that, or I don't have to be a woman, or I don't have to be able to become pregnant in order to know those things. It is wrong. And in fact, that's how all laws work, and that's how most uh, the laws that are passed work. You don't have to be murdered or to, to be able to pass a law on murder. And the same thing with slavery back in the 1800s. You don't have to have been a slave in order to advocate for the abolition of slavery. Well, how could you possibly say that we need to end slavery? You've never been a slave. No one would say that. What we understand is that there are things that are right and wrong that we can know from both natural law and from God's revelation in scripture. And it doesn't matter your gender in order to stand up for that which is right and for that which is good. And so to claim that, that men should not be passing laws on abortion and try to equate that as Amish people passing laws on cybersecurity, that is ridiculous. You don't have to have a knowledge of what it is like to be pregnant to know that it is wrong to kill innocent human beings. Another argument I thought was very interesting, and this isn't necessarily a pro-choice argument, but uh, it was trying to show the inconsistency of pro-life people. This was a post on Twitter, and it said, Dear pro-life friends, what have you personally done to support lower-income single mothers? I'll wait. Now, the absolute wonderful thing is that this tweet respond, uh, uh, received thousands of responses from pro-life people talking about the mothers who they have helped fix their cars, to the children that they have babysat and taken care of, to the hundreds and thousands or millions of dollars that have been donated to pregnancy resource centers and and, um, crisis pregnancy centers, and the people who have gone out of their way to come alongside single mothers and mentor them and to help them grow. And I just thought it was absolutely so amazing to see what the pro-life side has is actually doing after birth. And I think this is often ridiculous because one is that we don't go around talking about all the amazing things that we're doing, right? I don't know pro-life people that are like, well, look at all the money I'm giving and, and look at the people who I'm helping. That just doesn't happen. But yes, when you are trying to end the life of an innocent human being, we're going to stand up and we're going to speak loudly. And so it seems like maybe that's all that we care about. And I love that this is the response of showing how much we are actually doing. And I once had, a, had someone kind of come talk to me about like, you know, why are you always just debating people? Why don't you do something nice that actually helps the environment? Well, I give away a lot of money. I tie to my church. I, I, I give offerings to organizations. I support um, pro-life organizations that not only... Uh, are pro-life before or during the pregnancy, but after the pregnancy. But I, but someone else jumped into the conversation. They said, you know, our church gives away millions of dollars every year, right? And these are often the things that people aren't aware of is the amount of money that Christian conservatives or even just Christians or pro-life people are giving away to support these sort of issues, to help people in crisis pregnancies, to come alongside and support single mothers. And it is happening, but it, we're not vocal about it. And so it often seems like maybe this is the only issue that we care about because this is the one we're vocal about. But again, why am I vocal? Well, because we are killing 900,000 innocent human beings every year. If we were doing this to anyone else, except for the unborn, if we were killing 900,000 South Africans or 900,000 Chinese or anybody, there would be, we would go 
crazy. But it's the fact that there is so much inf- misinformation that we want to 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 talk about uh, this abortion as it's it's just nothing. It's just a choice. It's just women's health care. It's just reproductive rights. And it eliminates the conversation and people fall for it. And then we don't have the conversation that we should be have having. So I didn't get to the last couple uh, things, especially rape, but I actually did have an interview with Megan Elman from the Life Training Institute, where we did talk about this question, and I'll post a link in the show notes as well to that. So hopefully this conversation has helped you as you think about these conversations and these things that are being posted online and can maybe give you a chance to be able to talk about this intellectually uh, and confidently, but also compassionately next time that you are in a pro-life discussion. So thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed it, share it with a friend or family member that they can enjoy it as well. Maybe also give it a like on your podcast listening app. I would really appreciate it as this is such a needed message for people to hear in our culture today. So thank you so much for listening. Have a blessed rest of your day. Love God. Sip coffee. Think deeply. This is Coffeehouse Questions with Ryan Pauly. Don't hesitate to follow your love will guide me.